Welcome back to the show. Plenty of cricket in the first segment. It's time to turn our attention now to the tennis. Uh, big night for Australia. Our two remaining hopes in the singles draw in action. One of them is Alex Demonor. The other is Storm Sanders through to the third round for the first time. But uh, someone that caught an amazing match today is Louise Fleming, SEN tennis expert. She joins us. Hello, Louise. G'day, mate. How are you? How's things? Very well, thank you. Just take us through that match you called today. Uh, Mira Andreva came from nowhere in the third no. set uh, to make it through. Oh, my gosh. It was absolutely phenomenal, this match. Unbelievable. Mira Andreva, 16 years of age, started really slow against Diane Parry. She was down 6-1 in the first set, then kind of turned things around in the second. She handled the slice. Parry likes to hit high balls and change the pace up. She's got a big forehand. She's got a lot of shape. Difficult player to play. And then in the third set, so Andreva came back and won the second set. In the third set, Diane Parry was up 5-1. It was almost looking like the door was completely jammed shut for Mira Andreva and somehow, somehow clawed her way back into the match. I can't believe it. And then ended up winning... uh, in that match tiebreaker. So it was uh, just an incredible moment there. I I can't believe she walked out onto Rod Laver Arena the other day and absolutely smashed on Jaber, Mm. handled all the press. I mean, she probably has barely slept and she's, you know, so kind of uh, emotional about that win. And then having to come back out just 48 hours later and, and having to play a player that she's beaten easily before in the last 12 months. So, just a huge moment for this 16-year-old. Oh, Louise, it's unbelievable. And we saw another epic last night. We've touched on it a little bit, but we haven't seen anything like it, nor has anyone ever in the women's game. That's uh, Robankina and Blinkova. Blinkova getting over her in the last set tiebreaker, 22-20, and there was match points left, right, centre. There, there was some just amazing tennis. It was just uh, mind-blowing. Uh, what was your take on that last night? No, it's amazing, isn't it? It's so great to see players kind of having this self-belief. They're they're coming out here. The Australian Open has just produced some of the most amazing matches in the last couple of days. It's just been phenomenal, really, literally every day. But that match, under pressure, um, just it was was incredible to watch. 22-20, I think it was. uh, I think she had 10, uh, 10 match points blink over. Uh, and just was struggling. And it was so funny to listen to some of the things that she said after the match. She just said, I kept saying to myself, go for it. Then she kept saying, don't miss. <laughs> then she kept saying, she's like, come on, you're not nervous. And then she said, but my hand was shaking, my legs were shaking. And somehow she got through that. I mean, she really warmed to the crowd. That was absolutely gorgeous. But uh yeah, Alina Rybakina, one of the real favourites after winning Brisbane out of the Australian Open. And all the top seeds started licking their lips this morning when they heard the news. Yeah, Pagula and uh, Rybakina out. Have you ever, we were talking about it before. Have you ever seen in a tennis match, 10th final set tie break, and the umpire actually starts laughing? I mean, you don't see that very often. That just shows the, the sort of mood. I think he, he fed off the atmosphere of the crowd. I just couldn't believe what they were seeing. No, I think. You know, it's one of those moments where, yeah, you're right. It doesn't happen very often. And when it does, it's kind of that pinch me uh, moment where I'm actually watching this match. And everyone's talked about, should we be having these late night epic matches? Should we be, you know, finishing um, late into the evening? But can you imagine all the people that went to work this morning and have just pinched themselves and they're, 
you know, they're bragging. Hey, I saw the twenty two twenty. Where were you at midnight last night? <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of it does bring a lot of excitement and fun, and it is very unique. What other sport, you know, plays except for those five day cricket matches, which don't seem to have the same quiet excitement as matches that happen on Rod Laver Arena. I mean, you just don't get to to live this, um, and it really is producing a whole lot of fun. Amazing. We're starting to see some names. I mean, we've had a lot of seeds fall, and we're producing a lot of depth, I think, in the WTA side of things now. Yeah, Louise, that's probably what I'm seeing. I'm just seeing this Australian Open being the best in a long time from my perspective in that it's just riveting. These things are happening. You don't want to miss a moment. It is something to watch. Uh, later on tonight, um, we touched on it a little earlier, um, around 9pm, depends on times, of course, but Storm Hunter, what chance do you give her tonight? Well, I give her a huge uh, a huge chance. I mean, Storm is just playing the best tennis of her life. She can go out there swinging. I mean, she's playing a player that maybe isn't in the best form of her career, Barbora Krejcikova, struggled a little bit in the first round, hasn't looked absolutely great, but obviously has a lot of experience here. She's won Grand Slam titles. Um, and particularly in doubles, so she knows how to play on these faster courts here. We know she can play well on clay. She's going to have to deal with some of the big firepower that comes from Storm. Storm doesn't move extremely well, but she's going to have to dictate. She's going to have to come out here on the front foot and really spin some of these serves deep into the backhand side of Krejcikova, use the forehand down the line, and really force the issue. If she's not dictating... Uh, well, she's not going to be doing well. She's going to have to really come out on the front foot and do what she's been doing. She has been owning the court. I, I think back to United Cup and I'm thinking, gee, why don't we throw Stormy into a few more of those singles matches for Australia? We've been to Louise Fleming, SEN tennis expert. Just going back to last night, and you're right. I mean, people that hung around for that match have got a story to tell for a lifetime. But the fact that the next match, uh, Daniel Medvedev's match, you know, Five sets went till almost four o'clock in the morning. We know the rules outside of the Grand Slams. You can't get on court after 11 o'clock. Is that something the Grand Slams need to adopt as well? Or is it all just part of what makes up, particularly here in in, in Melbourne, where we've had matches like this go into the middle of the night? Is it, is it just something that makes the tournament a little bit unique? Yeah, I think so. What would you do? Do you just put one match on at night? So then you're just watching one women's or one men's matches and you just go home and be half satisfied at 11.30am and you've still got time to have a cup of tea at that time. No, let's keep them out here for a long time. Look, I don't think there's a real answer to this. If we want to start these night matches at 7pm and give the Australian crowd what we've always you know, had, um, I think we just we just keep doing what we're doing. I think the players know, the men's players know, okay, if they play a five-set match, it's going to be a late one. We do switch it around. Some nights it's the men starting yep. first, so the women have to finish up late, uh, vice versa. So there's no, um, you know, we're giving it to both sides there. So I just think, you know, the players, certainly the, the top-ranked players, they know they're going to get a late-night match. Medford is, is he's used to it. Novak's used to it. They're all used to it. Uh, Alex Demonor has to bring it tonight. Uh, and let's hope he doesn't have to expend too much energy in his match. Louise, does it take a bit out of them for the following days? Is that the? Is it hard to recover from giving maximum effort in the middle of the night when you're normally sleeping? Absolutely. It changes your biorhythms, doesn't it? It really does make you... Uh, 
um, you know, it, it's got to have an impact. I mean, you know what it's like when you get off a long flight and, you know, you've got jet lag. It's a little bit like that because it throws you out. Your circadian rhythm is waking up in the morning, going to bed at a certain time. Then when you're getting to bed very late in the morning, five o'clock, and not only if you're finishing at three or four o'clock in the morning, you've got an hour and a half of media. Then you've got to get home and try to settle the nerves, calm yourself down and really get ready to prepare for the next day. So what, what they do do, if they know they're playing a night match, the day before, they'll go and practice at night. They'll try to sleep during the days and just pretend that, okay, this is in the middle of the day. You've got to really have some mind games going on there. And it's the battle of the mental fittest, isn't it? You know, the, the mental giant will win this battle. And it's been Novak who's been able to handle this in, years to, in the years uh, past. Correct. Uh, speaking of the women's, as we said, uh, Jessica Bagula yesterday out, uh, Rebecca out. Uh, Coco Golf was dominant today, six loves, six two. Sabalenka even more so. Double bagel against Serenko, twenty eighth seed, six love, six love. Uh, still early stages in the tournament, but uh, with those couple of highly ranked players out, who do you, who do you like at this stage on the women's side? Well, I'm liking Sabalenka absolutely. Uh, I tell you, she's playing some terrific tennis. I'm quietly looking after Cop, uh, Coco Golf. She had a great win against Alicia Parks, another American there. Um, so Coco just, she's sliding through the draw. But uh, my outsider is just is uh, Yelena Ostapenko. Ostapenko playing a great uh, tournament up in Brisbane, losing to Azarenka and then taking out Adelaide. Um, played a really good match last night against Isla Tomlanovic. Had to go the dis- distance 6-4. Started off that match 6-love. But I'm telling you, she is the best ball striker in the business not a terrific mover, so she has to be the one out there dominating. Uh, but in her pathway, she's got Azarenka next, but she's on Sviantek's side. So she would have hit her in the quarterfinals, which is uh, going to be a bit of a, a tough situation there. Of course, she took her down at the US Open, so she'd have to duplicate that as well. Uh, tonight, we've got to focus on uh, Alex Di Minore, uh, Flavio Caboli, the Italian, 21 years of age, ranked 100 at the moment on paper. That should be pretty straightforward. Yeah, look, I think we're going to see a fair amount of uh, uh, running from Flavio tonight. I think Alex is going to be up on the baseline and really trying to take time away from the Italian guy. He plays with a little bit more spin, needs time on the ball. Um, I don't think that Alex is going to be uh, too worried about that match. You know, it's the big hitters, the big servers that really do bother Alex but of course it hasn't bothered him too much in the last couple of weeks he's taken down three scalps in the top 10 so it's this is this is the prime time for Alex Demonor there's no question about it and they've put him on John Kane Arena just to get a little bit more out of the atmosphere with the fans so it's going to be uh it's going to be lit up over there um in John Kane we've just seen some fabulous matches the Nazi Kokonakis going down last night and Isla playing there so it's it's all about uh I think Alex just not trying to use up too much uh, energy in the tank and just keeping himself fresh for the rest of the tournament. And Novak Djokovic uh, back on Rod Laver Arena against the number 30 seed Thomas Etchfury, who knocked out Andy Murray convincingly in the opening round. He's looked vulnerable, uh, Novak, in the first couple of rounds. So how much danger does this match present? Yeah, be thrown in like a Serena, like a rapper, a Serdino. It's an unusual name, and you're going to remember it. He's very good. I like him. That's the first time in 16 uh, first rounds, I think, in a, in a lot of years that 
uh, Novak lost a, a set in the first round. And then, of course, against Alexi Popperin, he just looked a little bit flat. I don't know if he gets a bit bored in his matches and he thinks I'll just <laughs> like, I need a bit of a, a, a bit of a, um, a bit of resistance here. I'll miss uh, a couple of balls. I'll get fired up. I'll have a bit of a fight with someone in the, in the crowd. Um, he's like the Fernando, the bull. Remember him, Ferdinand? He had to get a bee sting to get excited. <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's what Novak needs a little bit. So he hasn't been challenged, really. He doesn't like losing sets early on in the Australian Open. So, look, I don't think he's going to be bothered by the 30th uh, seed too much. He just seems to turn it on. He cruises. He goes in cruise control. He's like those new cars that are out at the moment. They go on cruise control and then they push a button and they accelerate really quickly. That's Novak Djokovic when he needs to. Yeah, it's been fascinating. His first uh, two matches and uh, some of his uh, biggest rivals, uh, Yannick Sinner in particular, very impressive again today, just dropping the four games uh, in his straight sets victory. Uh, Louise, uh, it's been a great start to the tournament. Uh, Great hearing your voice again. Thanks so much for your time. No worries. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.